0: The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen. The Craft House Brewery, now with two locations. The Tone Factory Recording Studio. Moonshot.com T-shirt designs. Mr. Antenna, now your host. Jim Tofty. You know, Beverly D'Angelo sang with Ronnie Hawkins long before she got into acting, and that is very impressive. Her journey, of course, led her to the acting world, and it's really interesting. Beverly, of course, might best be known for doing the National Lampoon Vacation films and has a great new film to talk about. Let's welcome Beverly D'Angelo to The Fake Show. Beverly, good morning to you.
1: Good morning. Jim, is this, is this the fake show we're doing?
0: It's that and uh, a couple of other things thank you for asking. Oh, okay. First of all I have to say that I loved you as Patsy Cline in Coal Miner's Daughter. Thank you. How much of an impact did a role like that have on you as somebody who is actually a singer?
1: Oh, well, it was really huge because um, you know, I started out as a singer and I'd been singing with this guy Ronnie Hawkins in uh, Toronto. He kind of brought rock and roll to Canada. He was one of the original rockabilly's, and he yeah. was up there, and uh, his band was the Hawks, and they left and went with Bob Dylan. He put sure. a series of bands, and I sang with him. And so I got turned on to Patsy Klein then. And so then years later, uh, you know, years later, when I had... It's a long story how I got into acting, but I yeah. just, like sang my way into acting. But anyway, I still wasn't committed about whether or not I wanted to be an actress or singer, I really saw myself as a singer, so when I got that role, I even got that role not by doing a screen test, but by singing uh, on kind of like a minus one track. They sent me a track of a Patsy Cline song and minus her voice, and I sang it, and then Owen Bradley, our original producer, listened to it, They I listened to it, blah, blah, blah. I had a lot of meetings on it, but the point is that when I did that film, I started to see myself as an actress, and... I was only in it for like nine minutes, but it got an awful lot of attention and um, certainly opened doors for other people to see me as, as as a real actress, too. I mean, I'd done things before that, and I'd started in the film of hair, but for my, as to myself, I was like on the fence because I just I looked at Hollywood and went, ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and do you still look at it that way?
1: Well, here's the thing, you know... Uh, I, I I'm a big um, I'm a big respecter of the elders. Always was. I think. Yeah. Again, you know, I I, I left home really early, and 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 uh, my life expanded because older people, you know, the the elders, Ronnie, Woody Allen, uh, Milish Foreman, those were all people that you know opened doors for me as an artist, as a creative person, and so I looked around this industry and I said, okay, who are the women? And it was really hard for me to locate anybody who had like a great life, right. like, great work. Yeah, great work. But you know, um, I I never I, I I have an incredible work ethic. Hello, it's six a.m.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: but but I also have uh, you know it's not like I've lived a life. My life has been based on having a life that's that's creative and 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 and, and is really based on the urge to create and, and connect to something larger, you know, as opposed to be a movie star. <laughs> and and so I look at, you know, the lifestyles involved. <laughs> yeah, and I just I couldn't see like I I, I felt I'd be limited and, and really honestly by about nineteen eighty one I figured they're never gonna get me here anyway, So um I moved to Italy and lived there, and then I moved from there to Ireland. And, you know, I had a fantastic agent uh, during all that time I lived out of the country. So, you know, I always worked and stuff. But as far as, like, methodically planning, okay, uh, if I do this, then the next step should be this, and then the next step should be this, and if I do that, that'll enhance this. Uh, I've never done this.
0: Yeah, it's almost like uh, happenstance. It's one thing kind of led to another. And wasn't it about that time that the vacation script was offered and you really weren't...
1: That was the real game changer, you know. They say you you, you have to be in a hit before you're 30 to have, you know, longevity in Hollywood. And um, I was 29 when I did the first vacation. And when we did that, nobody thought, honestly, I mean, well, I, I don't say nobody, but certainly from my perspective, First of all, I've done Cole Daughter, gotten a lot of accolades for that. Yeah. And then I'm offered a script where I'm, play, I'm playing the mother of teenage people and. And um right. I grew up in the suburbs of Ohio so it didn't seem like that was a strength. Oh yeah, I can I know who that woman is. And we shot it on the road, you know, which it wasn't a studio it was uh, it was made by Warner Brothers, but we shot everything on location. So we were kind of like in this little bubble and it, it seemed to be it was a satire. It was not, you know, it was a satire. And um it was, you know, uh Chevy Chase, you know, Saturday Night Live and yeah. and uh conceived of as, you know, uh Summer comedy that would kind of cater to, you know, all the people that had made Animal House a hit, National Lampoon's Animal House, the National Lampoon movie. So I was in Italy, and this friend of mine called me up and he said, hey, "You're in the number one movie this weekend." I was "What?" <laughs> and he <laughs> said, "Oh yeah." And then my agent said, "You know, you really should, you really should be back here." <laughs> you know I mean? Right. And um, that's kind of what I did. I was like, yeah. you know, flying out and uh, way, way forever, like really until. Early
0: '90s. Well, and you mentioned the elders that you've worked with, and that cast in Christmas Vacation was amazing, wasn't it? Those the older actors. When I th-
1: know when
0: I think of people like William Hickey, I mean, my God, I know. yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh, in fact, we had a great. Uh, there was a contest going that, like, you'd get what was it, like five points if you could do a scene sitting down and. Ten points if you could do a scene lying down and he did a scene sleeping. <laughs> 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 Something just it's like sleeping, but yeah, no, I mean just the 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 experience and the, the, and to see those people so enthralled with the process of acting, especially Diane Lass. Yes, and so devoted to their craft. I mean, you know, there was one day when I like. John was there for like four hours before he even shot. And it was, uh, I couldn't believe it. It was like, wait, you can't do this. You know, not to him, but to the director. And, right. But it was, yeah, it was, it was an honor. It was great. It was great.
0: Yeah, so much fun. And it's, and, and it's been a classic, of course. You're... It turned
1: into a classic. Well, yeah, I mean, the first one in Christmas Vacation, they really became, they're classics. And they weren't really, I don't, think anyone anticipated that. I mean, it's like people watched it instead of going, ha ha ha, look at those people. They went, ha ha ha, look at me. <laughs> yeah. They identified with it.
0: Especially the Christmas vacation, because it had so much heart in it, in, at the well, center you know of the what?
1: Whole. The heart came from, well, the heart came from John Hughes, because John wrote the first one, and he wrote Christmas Vacation.
0: Yeah, Those, yeah. those
1: were two that were really his, his babies, so...
0: Well, Beverly, your film Wakefield looks fantastic. I've seen a few different trailers with you and Brian Cranston. Isn't it and
1: interesting? Jennifer,
0: yeah, it seems really great.
1: It's kind of a good segue from my little thing about, you know, considering that life is a creative process and following that as opposed to should I do this and should I do that or anything, anything that's ever come into my mind. But this was a very interesting thing. First of all I was always aware of Robin card. I always really liked her writing. And was really thrilled that that, that she was gonna be directing and just the even the even, even the way it came about, she had been friends with E. L. Doctor and he and eel Doctorow's widow, well, then who then became widow, had given Robin full rights and, and just here, you know, do whatever, you know, if, if you could do anything with it, do it. with this story that he had a short story he had written in first person. And Robin figured out how to get it done. And so really just going on that uh, intention, Pure intention of just telling this story. She gathered together, you know, tremendous talent and great producers, and it was really, you know, a, a labor of, of love. And working with her was incredible because, you know, when you've got that kind of purity of intention on the set, coming from a director, that then manifested to every single actor. I mean, even the extras, you know, down to you know, smallest detail, there's no, um, it, it's all about telling the story. It's not about, well, you know, I have to go to my trailer now or, you know what I mean? So everything was done with just the desire, you know, to, to tell this story. Brian Cranston, you know, you could see that he was really turning in a very, very special performance and that Jennifer was really... Truly, you know, finding every, everything that, that she could to bring life to this. And Robin wrote it in a really interesting way in that it's first person and, it's, and, and, and there's a narrative. It was from the perspective of uh, Brian Cranston's character Wakefield. But she always had... So so there was always the wake-up camp, and that would be positioned outside of rooms and, you know, always from from where he'd be standing. But we shot everything anyway. we, We shot with dialogue. So she wrote dialogue for the characters that would be seen through windows or in passing that, that, that in many instances he couldn't really hear. But we were alive to what we were doing. So she, she had the, like this subscript I and mean, it was really genius, actually. And it was a, a, a wonderful experience to, you know, and uh, the story itself is great because I think it's like, it's the story that everybody has lingering somewhere in their daydreams. On their way home from the rat race one day, maybe they'll just step to the right and I think everybody has, and, and not go home, but stay there. I think, I think, and I think that fantasy is that you know everybody has within them that desire to see themselves how others see them, and also they wonder what what would happen if I wasn't here
0: unfortunately, you've got to move on. I wish I could talk to you a lot longer. Wakefield, it just looks fantastic with Beverly and and Brian and Jennifer Garner, and it's in select theaters, also video on demand. Such a pleasure to talk to you, Beverly.
1: Well, it's a pleasure
0: talking to you, Jim. I hope I didn't talk your ear up. I didn't ask you if any questions. <laughs> Good luck with the film. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. She's had such a great career. I mean, she was wonderful in hair, American History X, Entourage, to name a few. And most impressive, she is one of the few people ever to get along with Chevy Chase. Well, that is the end of this episode of The Fake Show. Please keep sharing and liking our Facebook and Twitter pages. I'm Jim Tofty and I'll see you next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes,
1: and thefakeshow.com.